0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
1: Oh, what's up, my little sugar plums? Good to have you all with me today on Electric Liberty Land from the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 51, guys, which means you can find the show notes for today's episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL51. I am going to be flying solo today in uh, preparation for all of the holiday festivities to come. So once again, I'm uh, cramming it in, cramming in the walnuts into the stocking that is my life at the moment, but. There are some things lacking going on that we do want to talk about. Of course, at the top of the show, I do want to remind you guys that, you know, I know my health care plan, which I just had to cancel last year, is now being canceled once more. Isn't that great? Thanks a lot, Obama. You know, you can, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. That's proven to be a lie twice over. So thanks a lot, shitheel. Anyway, we've got a sponsor, however, that provides you with a fantastic alternative to the big corporate plan. So please check this out. Go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash health. And it's a new plan from Health Health Excellence Plus, which we are working with. They have been a good partner to our show. So please check them out. If you, like me, have lost your plan and you're looking for an alternative, give it a shot. And uh, we will be much appreciative and you will be a much happier person. I just mean in general, not just not just for health. I mean, you'll have a nice skip in your step, man. Trust me, you. All right, so on today's show, I want to get into a bunch of things, but the, the top thing I want to hit first is this whole Roy Moore thing. So as most of you've already know, Roy Moore lost the Alabama Senate election against Doug Jones. And in the buildup to this, There were allegations flying all over the place that Roy Moore was a pedophile, that he had uh, been kicked out of a mall for for creeping people out uh, of all ages, that he had taken some girl uh, with her parents' consent to a log cabin in the woods, that he had signed this girl's yearbook, which was proved to be false. I mean, there are all sorts of things about him being a huge creepazoid. And on top of that, though, Because that was that was enough for people probably not to like him, at least so you would think, because he still had quite a bit of a lead going into this uh, this actual election. But on top of that, this is a man who has shown overall despicable characteristics as far as his overall temperament in regards to the actual act of being a judge. Because don't forget, he was a judge for a very long time before he, uh, he ever took this position. And the man was removed two different times from his position. Once because he took a very, very hard-nosed approach, I guess is the nicest way I could say it, towards gay marriage and homosexuals, basically saying that he thought homosexual acts should be illegal. Not just marriage, by the way. Not just like, you know, I'm I'm a good Christian and so I don't believe that marriage is between a man and a man. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman kind of thing. No, he wanted to make homosexual acts illegal so voluntary interaction between two guys let's say they want to get together and uh, and canoodle in one way shape or form or two women want to get together and uh, and to start a fire roy moore says no we can't have that that should be illegal which is insane just insane and that is i mean i would say classic uh homophobia classic uh, bigotry just really despicable stuff so he was thrown out of his seat as a judge Uh, At least one time for that and additional, you know, some other things he said additionally about um, homosexuals. And not only that, the man was also removed from his position as a judge because despite the fact that church and state are supposed to be kept very separate, Roy Moore went ahead and commissioned a Ten Commandments monument, which he then installed in the lobby of his courthouse. And then when told, you know what, man, you can't do that because what if you have people coming in here that are Jewish or Muslim or atheist that might say, how is this judge supposed to take my case and honestly judge it and look at it from a a merit standpoint, a legal standpoint, when he clearly believes in the one and only Catholic slash Christian God and Jesus and all of that, uh, huzzah, which to be frank, I don't believe it. I don't have a problem with people believing in it as long as they don't take it into state-run institutions like this one. Because that's just insane. I mean, like, you, to expect people to come in <laughs> and see the Ten Commandments there, like, I mean, you know, virtually anything. A lot of judges, they go through different, different uh, areas where they are asked to weigh in and, and make decisions on. So maybe he's doing a divorce hearing. You know, and it's like that. He's going to really look kindly on people if you were if you were an adulterer and you walk past this monument. Says, "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife," or you know, "Thou shalt not." Even extending it to other things, like if you walk in there and your case is in front of Judge Roy Moore and you're a big slap, fat, sloppy bastard. I mean, there does happen to be a uh, you know, a sloth is one of the seven seven deadly sins, right? So do you know there's monuments there. To the Ten Commandments, knowing Roy Moore is a very religious guy and has commissioned this monument, as a fat guy, don't you think you're going to walk in that court and be like, you know, I don't think I'm going to get a fair shake here. I think Roy Moore is going to see some of the grease of the Kentucky Fried Chicken Basket that I just bought on my fingers, and he's going to unfairly judge me. And you know what? You would be completely justified in having that opinion. Now, to be honest, it's been so long since I went to... CCD, which is, uh, God, I can't remember what it stands for. Because so I was FYI, a little back history on me. I was born and raised Catholic. I went through communion. I was baptized, all that good stuff. Uh, I did not like it very much. Didn't enjoy it. And I did, I promise you, I did a lot of deep thinking at the ripe age of 14 before deciding that, you know what? This ain't for me. This isn't something that I believe in, honestly and truly. And so, uh, so I opted out, but again, I was raised in that environment. So I understand those of you who do that being said, again, very judgmental mindset with the commandments, with the seven deadly sins, with everything, it, basically everything in the Bible is like, ah, finger wagon. So again, for a judge to have this very prominent, very public position, absolutely ridiculous. And again, you add that on to all of the slurs about homosexual lifestyles, you've got yourself a true true champion of men, right? A real guy that you want to look up to, a real real uh, personage of interest, and a guy that Donald Trump threw his support behind. So you've got this overall scumhound that Trump's supporting and Bannon is supporting, running up against Doug Jones, who I guess is a perfectly fine public servant. He's kind of a nondescript nothing. But you also got this in Alabama, which is a very red state. So... Roy Moore, despite everything, is leading the polls going into this, this day of uh, of voting. And it turns into uh, a, a real day of atonement for the Democrats. You know, they're crowing. They're saying, this is amazing because Doug Jones emerges victorious by basically 1%. Essentially 1%. And they're saying, oh, this is a real uh, repudiation of Trump and uh, Bannon and this is... Uh, what a what a victory for uh, for justice and righteousness. I'm looking at it and, you know, if you couldn't tell, I'm very happy Roy Moore lost. Uh, I really despised Roy Moore, everything about him. But for the Democrats to say that this is some sort of victory, are you out of your mind? I mean, it's a, it, it, I guess it's a victory in the sense that, yes, you did gain a Senate seat, so good for you there. But to say that this is somehow making any sort of statement against Trump or Bannon or against Republicans and the GOP is idiotic. They ran out such a terrible candidate that there was virtually no way that he could, they had to go out of his way to lose. I mean, really, the only candidate they could have beaten was a bigoted, hyper-religious, cowboy hat, leather jacket, horse riding, homosexual slurring, imbecile of a man and then they could only beat him by one percent and they are uh, over the moon thinking that this is somehow signaling a giant phase shift in the way americans are thinking if anything i would read this as a giant loss for the democrats that it's that close i mean look if i'm racing a guy with one leg and we're running through a bunch of mud that's three feet deep and I beat that one-legged mud runner by five inches, I might kill myself the next day. I would be like, what? why Why am I bothering? What's wrong with me? I can't beat this schlub. This guy, even, how did this guy even jump out of the mud? He's got one leg. It doesn't make sense. But no, the Democrats, no. They're, they're really uh, just over the moon. I wish I could remember what the name of their, <laughs> their phrase was. Their Their idiotic phrase that they rolled out for their whole democratic, the new democratic condition. But I'm just totally, totally blanking on it. Ah, uh, oh well for another day. Anyway, so that's the Roy more thing. I just, I, it's a classic example of a uh, politicking and taking a, uh, what should have been a, <laughs> a, a very somber. Thank God. Like they should have been writing thank you notes to God and also thanking Santa for an early Christmas gift that Roy Moore lost. But uh, no, no, it's uh, bigger than that to them. And of course, Kristen Gillibrand, uh, Maxine Waters, which there is, by the way, the, the day that the New York City subway was attacked by a terrorist threat and I was walking through that subway. Um, days ahead of time. I, oh, yeah, I forgot to. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I was in New York, and I was I walked through that Port Authority subway station to get to Queens, which is where I was visiting my family. And I went through it like the day before this happened. So I was like, Oh, I've been there. Yeah, I went on t- uh, social media. Hey, I'm part of this. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that because I'm not a jerk. But uh, it was interesting. Then, of course, CNN had a story directly after this guy, who, who by the way. Is this another idiot put up by the FBI to to make his own pipe bomb? Is this another FBI foiled plot? Do we know yet? Because this guy was so inept. He was the Roy Moore of terrorists. Really? I- <laughs> he was the Roy Moore of terrorists. He was so incompetent that he gave the FBI a victory and the, and the police uh, of New York City a victory. By making a pipe bomb so ineffective that I think it mildly injured two people and he couldn't he even kill himself. It was strapped to his chest. If I strap bubble wrap to my chest, it still leaves a deeper impression when they snap than this goddamn pipe bomb did. Don't get me wrong. Look, I'm really happy nobody got hurt, including myself in this act. But that same day, so instead of covering this terrorist attack, CNN covers it for about a minute and then goes on for a 15 minute story about Donald Trump drinking tons of diet Coke in the white house, which was such an important report that Maxine waters had to reference it in her tweet about Roy Moore losing saying that, Oh, do you think Donald Trump was drinking a lot of diet Cokes watching TV when this happened or something along those lines? It was equally idiotic. Real zinger there, Maxine. Very important stuff. So anyway, just again, it just so sad that the Democrats are considering this uh, and trying to make this into something that it's not, which is just <laughs> putting a pedophile homophobe on your candidacy uh, for a Senate spot. is probably not going to work out 90% of the time. If the GOP had realized that ahead of time, probably still would have been a, a red seat there. Now, granted, if you listened to my last episode of Electric Liberty Land, you would have heard me telling everybody that it's exactly this kind of stuff that makes me think that now is, in fact, the true libertarian moment. If there was a libertarian running there, probably would have had a good shot because it's a very right-leading state. Libertarians, you could could make the position that you're uh, at least falling somewhere in the middle there, appeal to people's strong uh, economic convictions. Still, you could be fairly religious if you want. I know a lot of very religious libertarians appeal to the evangelical base. And uh, you wouldn't be against homosexuals in a very public manner. So, you know, you put those things together, you probably could add a good shot there. Again, to reemphasize my entire point from last episode, please do, if you're thinking about running, please do think about running now. Because when you got candidates like Roy Moore trotting out there, losing by, you know, half a percentage point to some other schlub the Democrats ran out, there is quite a bit of an opportunity there. Okay, now, I uh, before I go into a break, I also wanted to do a little bit of a brief conversation about the new tax plan that Trump has rolled out, along with the GOP that is currently in. Well, I guess it passed the House then because of some sort of weird procedural error, it went back to the House. So I don't think it's, it's gotten to the Senate yet. However, not much has changed in this bill. Uh, some of the things that did change, one, one of which really pissed me off, was that the rebate and the tax break that people are getting for buying electric cars, that's still in there, which, again, is horseshit. I don't own an electric car. I could have bought one if I wanted to spend the extra money and lose the extra giddy-up, which I don't want to do. But I don't think it's right. The government's picking and choosing winners-losers when it comes to technology. If you want to buy an electric car, that's good. You're going to benefit because you get to uh, think you're better than everybody. So that's always a bonus. You get to save the environment. and We all love that. At least in theory. And you get to save money on your gas. Ideally, they say that you break that car down as far as the cost per mile. Eventually, it will even out over time and you'll start making your money back in the lower cost of gas. So great. Why the hell should you get a tax refund then? If you're already going to be making that money back later and you have enough money now to spend extra money on this expensive car, simply they had been more expensive than uh, your standard automobile, why is the government giving you extra money to do that? Again, this is pushing one technology over another technology at the expense of taxpayers. Like me. And I'm not for it. So that pisses me off that that stayed in there. Uh, But overall... I think this tax plan is good. I'm sure there's other stuff in there that's bad. I was going to try to peruse the entire thing today. I didn't have time. Instead, I spent some time looking over Trump's national security statement, which I'll get into at the end of the show. figured that uh, that was only 68 pages, so a little easier to peruse than the 440-page or 480-page behemoth that is this tax bill. But essentially, despite all of the Democratic warnings from Chuck Schumer and the rest of the, the Chucky Cuckies, that this would raise taxes for the majority of Americans, and which, of course, was parroted endlessly by idiots who don't know how to do any of their own research and just take things at face value. The real case is that about 95% of Americans will actually save a fairly substantial amount. Uh, I mentioned before, with one tax calculator I was looking at, I think I saved about 2000 I know I... Mark I posted in our forum today, he recalculated his tax estimate on a different calculator. It looks like it'll be about $800 for him. Look, tax cut's a tax cut. No matter what it is, that's great. And I haven't done a new calculation for me yet either, so I'm not sure what it'll be like. But the overall breakdown, and this is from the Tax Policy Center, which is left-leaning. They say they're nonpartisan, but they they tend to skew very left. Even they admit this is something that 95% of Americans will get a tax break from in one shape or form. It typically, I think they said it was about in the two to three percent range for a lot of people. Um, maybe even more than that. For it again, it depends on the tax brackets you're in. Are rich people also getting a tax cut? Yup. Do I have any problem with that? Nope. I know a lot of people do. I was reading a recent poll that came out from the Pew Center, and they had people basically said, well, the corporate taxes, people are unanimously furious about that they're cutting that down, which, of course, to me is moronic. These people, <laughs> so they said they, they opposed cutting corporate taxes and they wanted to really go full bore in on raising taxes for the wealthy Americans in the country. So let's just look at that empirically. Rich people in the country already pay way more than their fair share. And I know people are going to go, oh, well, it's, how is it fair that they've got so much more? Not you people, of course, listening, <laughs> general, general progressives will, will say, well, if they can afford to pay more. And, and a lot of that, and I love this argument, they go a lot of that's you know, old money and said they didn't earn it. It's just, they have it. I'm like, so that means that just because they didn't personally earn it or because they're making the money through investing money that they, their family previously earned. So they are not entitled to that money. Now that makes it eligible to be stolen. And given away to people because that argument doesn't hold any water with me that's a completely immoral illogical argument based upon people's own self-interest and clearly has nothing to do with the greater good in any way and then of course you take into the account the fact that people in general uh are not benefiting directly from a lot of these welfare programs as far as raising them out of the poverty level and I don't see exactly what the point would be in just taxing the rich who are actually creating wealth or have the ability to create wealth and employ more people overall. So anyway, I'm fine with them keeping more money. Go for it. The corporate tax though, that's where I really am angry that people don't seem to understand why America having the world's highest corporate tax rate is an issue. And I'm not saying that it directly is going to be like, okay, if we lower the corporate tax, then boom, everybody's getting get paid more in salaries. Because that's what these people are arguing. That's what studies have shown. I was reading an article in The Atlantic because I do like to read both sides of the issue just to uh, scoff uh, most of the time is what I do. But I like to see, okay, what are the counterpoints to the things that I believe in? So I looked at The Atlantic, and they had some of the some of the dumbest points I've ever seen. But one point in general was saying, okay, in regards to corporate tax – the GOP is arguing that people's salaries are going to go up if you lower the corporate tax. Now, number one, I've never heard the GOP argue that. I've never heard anybody argue that, really. Uh, libertarians don't even argue that. What we do argue and what the GOP is arguing is that you, you're you enticing corporations to come in and spend their money here rather than somewhere else. And Basically, this puts the U.S. on par with most of Europe and most other countries in that I think Europe's tax rate for co- most corporate tax rates is about 185 19%. So by putting that on a competitive level, you're saying, okay, well now you can come here. You don't have the same benefit structure, union structure, and uh, and demands for for uh, you know different labor unions that you might have in like a France per se. So maybe you looked at the S and you say, yep, we could go ahead and put something here for cheap. Maybe we make deals with some of the local states. Maybe we make some deals with with uh, Donald Trump as he was uh, crowing about back in the day, which again, I'm not not for that either. But point being, you're not making it so you have to go through this 40% hurdle to have your company here. And while most large companies do find loopholes like anything else, just like when we look at the banking regulations that were put into place through the ridiculous Dodd-Frank legislation and, uh, and all sorts of regulatory bodies that, that work to quote-unquote correct the banking failures, What ends up happening with high corporate tax and also with high regulation in general, no matter what industry, is that all that happens is you get all of these regulations, which only the large corporations can understand because they can pay lawyers to come and dissect it or they can pay accountants to come and find the loopholes. So this tax bill does eliminate some of the loopholes for corporations, which I'm sure they won't like. But at the same time. If you're lowering it by that substantial amount, that's still going to be an overall net gain and a net good for people when they're looking at the bottom line. And past that, people don't seem to fucking understand that a corporation doesn't always mean a massive entity of 500,000 employees where the CEO is getting a golden parachute Roger Goodell package. If he goes out the window, that's $18 million severance pay. The largest corporations do, and most of the time, those are international corporations anyway, so they can be based anywhere. Shit, they can be based in Singapore, when you got, like, no taxes. So what people have to take into account is that once you incorporate, that's simply a a matter of protecting yourself, protecting your interests, or probably, like, a LLC. For example, like, we, as the Lions of Liberty, had to create our own little baby corporation to protect ourselves. And as such, anybody that incorporates or becomes a corporation then has to pay the corporate tax. So if you're a small business trying to make ends meet and you don't have an army of lawyers to, uh, or not lawyers, an law- army of accountants to get get in there and find you the loopholes, you're just getting a big stick up your ass. And when you cut that corporate tax rate, cut your taxes by twenty percent a year, that's a lot of money. Maybe if, yeah, maybe if Seattle. Had taken that approach, people actually wouldn't be going out of business because of their ridiculous rate hike for the minimum wage. Maybe that's what you know it's like one of these things it's so funny you have you have all these progressives saying that oh we can't we can't cut the corporate tax rate we we're giving these corporations a break. It's like, do you realize how many people they employ? not just the big ones but the small ones too that are incorporated being a corporation. Being corporate comes from incorporated, which is what you have to do if you have a business. It applies to everybody. It's just it's it's a sheer level of ignorance when it comes to this stuff. And again, seeing this Pew poll, which had people you know overwhelmingly, voters overwhelmingly said that they were furious about lowering the corporate tax rate, just shows how ignorant most of America is when it comes to this stuff. God forbid, they can't hate big government, but they can hate big corporations. They can hate big oil. They can hate big pharma. And I'm not saying you shouldn't hate a lot of those big pharma, big trade organizations because of crony capitalism, which again is what people don't understand. Again, they just point to the corporations as the great evil. And you go, do you not get that all of the evils that they are quote-unquote perpetrating upon you, have been facilitated by government. Look at net neutrality. Look at all the permissions they're giving people to shove this stuff down your throat on a local level. They're you're banning ISPs to be put in place, which again, you could have heard in my net neutrality episode. Doing a lot of callbacks here today. So anyway, overall tax bill, it's going to be a good thing. Most people's taxes are going to go down. The only problem is there's nothing to address the deficit. That will go up. And despite the fact that they claim that this is going to you know, generate something like a trillion dollars in in revenues over time due to the increased amount of uh investment that's coming in and we'll get additional businesses and that'll generate additional revenue, it's still projected as a loss. There's no way it's going to make up that much, uh, that much revenue to actually catch up to the amount of spending that's being done. So, you know, that's just not going to get better. It's not going to get better while we have either Democrats or Republicans in there. Neither of them have any interest in actually cutting the spending level. And until you cut the spending level, you're not going to cut the deficit. So that's that ipso facto. I'll be right back though.
0: I know many of you are facing major decisions with your healthcare right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see and what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health, or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. All right,
1: we are back with Electric Liberty Land, episode 51. Again, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL51. Had a little drink of water there. A little horse. And I had a long weekend of, uh, well, travel last week. And then, of course, came back into town, had uh, parties to go to. Uh, Holiday parties are in full swing. So that has tired me out. I'm still, still quite tired. But, you know, I earned it. That's the way I look at these things. Now that coming back into the show, I want to talk about a good thing <laughs> potentially for our deficit and for our budgetary woes in this country. And that is that drum roll, just kidding. There's no drum roll. I'm not going to put one in, but drum roll, please. There is actually going to be an audit of the Pentagon for the first time in American history. Yes, it's actually happening, folks. So the Pentagon, at the start of 2018, will start to have audits in place. Now, that means they're going to take a look at all the bases. That means they're going to look at all the fighters. That means all the weapons. That means all the things that are going on within the Pentagon, which has about a $600 billion budget. We'll actually get to see what they're doing with that. In theory, anyway because I still don't trust it'll happen. But hey, you know what? For right now, let's try to be peppy. It's the Christmas season. It's Hanukkah season. It's Kwanzaa season. We're going to try to take a little bit of a a better outlook on life. So let me read a little bit from this NPR article that goes into a slight background on this. So in late 2016, reports emerged that Pentagon officials had buried an internal study that exposed $125 in administrative waste in its business operations amid fears Congress would use the findings as an excuse to slash the defense budget. This is according to an earlier Washington Post story NPR is referencing, which <laughs> let me just take a time out. So I love that. So uh, the Pentagon officials buried a study exposing 125 billion in administrative waste because they were afraid that Congress might use that as an excuse to slash their defense budget which, you know, would be the complete fucking rational thing to do if you saw somebody was literally throwing money away to the tune of $125 billion. So here's what happened. In January, the Government Accountability Office said, quote, serious financial management problems at the Department of Defense that have prevented its financial statements from being audible. The agency listed the Defense Department as its prime example of major impediments to attempts to render an opinion on the U.S. government's financial statements. So, to carry out the audit, Pentagon says it will deploy 2,400 auditors to go over records and examine bases, property, and weapons of a federal department that had a budget of $590 billion last year. So, how about them apples, man? I'd say, yeah old Randy pants, probably happy about that one. I know it's something he had been pushing for along with some of the other libertarian leaning senators and members of the house. So that's awesome. I mean, like I said, I don't know if this is actually going to reveal reveal anything because the Pentagon's so secretive in general, they may reveal, okay, well, there's some waste, but we're not going to know what's really in there. They're not going to share that with us. We'll find out 20 years from now when judicial watch, if it still, uh, still exists somehow managed to subpoena those records under the freedom of information act. But the good news is at least there is knowledge of the problem. I mean shit, that's something, right? At least there's a the knowledge that you're throwing billions upon billions and 80 billion dollars more was added this year by President Trump to that military budget. So you're throwing billions at this this massive department which has no actual concept even of what it has. I mean there was waste that Rand Paul was talking about years ago, I think just in the number of bases that were that were, you know, like the square footage of bases, many of which were completely abandoned. They're just duplicated and they they forget that they have one. So they just, you know, they leave it there. just becomes a de- decrepit shell full of military equipment that's never been touched, never used sits there, or they turn around and they sell it. So it'll be interesting to see again, if they reveal this, what the department of defense is doing as far as selling this stuff off to the cops, selling this stuff off to foreign agents or giving it away. I mean, can the government take a tax break on its own donations? Because I know we've been, quote unquote, donating a lot of product to Israel over the years. To the tunes of billions and billions of dollars in military technology. So again, I don't know what's going to come of this. Because an audit by, you know, it's like any, if I was, (laughs) this is like if my wife caught me cheating. And she goes, all right, Brian, well, you know what? I see you're going around and uh, having sex with a lot of women behind my back. But instead of me looking into this, as should be done with, say, you know, a outside agency, which is purely open to, uh, to public scrutiny. And granted, I do have this classified materials, which you can't reveal all the projects. But, you know, just basic numbers would be interesting to see. But so instead of doing that, they're like, all right, is my wife going, okay, Brian, I want you to investigate yourself. And, you know, let me know how many women you slept with outside of our marriage. And I'd be like, okay, honey. Just wink. (laughs) Wink right in her face. Because you know (laughs) there's no way I'm gonna give her an honest answer. It's like, it's like if somebody asks you how many people you slept with in your life. That's a very fungible answer. You know, when you're younger and you want to impress somebody, be like, hey, I'm no virgin, man. You're like, oh, 35. And then when you're older, if you're still dating, a woman asks you, how many people you slept with? You're like, four. And I loved every one of them. God, they were great women. Clean, respectable, great women. Never touched brown liquor. Not a one of those girls. <laughs> so I can't wait to see how many uh, girls that love brown liquor the government admits to fucking. All right. Next story I want to get to is... Huh, perfect. Perfect. Brian, you're a genius. Thank you, Brian. Perfect segue into this coming off of uh how many women that love brown liquors are government fucking. Tim Kaine has been trying to find out exactly that on a Senate level because he has now asked the Congressional Office of Ah, oh, blank on oh, Congressional Office of Compliance to provide records on exactly how many sexual payments they put out. You know, how many harassers are there? How many uh, payments have been made out? How many people have been settled with? What were they accused of? What were the settlements for and he's been told in no other uh, terms to go take a long walk walk off a short pier now this is hilarious because the House had already provided these documents on their level, so I guess there's you know I guess this slush fund is shared by both sides. but they turned these documents over when they were required to uh, a day later so it's just the Senate. You know, because they they got a little bit more sway in Washington and, and how this whole process works. So Tim Kaine tries to find this information out, and here was the response. And this is a doozy that you have to hear to believe. So Tim Kaine was told by Susan Sui Grunman of the uh, Office of Compliance, Congressional Office of Compliance, quote, the current structure of the law means that the OC- OOC does not possess reliable information regarding the number of sexual harassment claims that have been filed or settled the identities or positions of the individuals alleged to have committed sexual harassment or why the parties reached settlements. So you're telling me that There's just a massive congressional slush fund that has paid out $17 million worth of settlements to people. And they don't keep any records of (laughs) any of the number of claims that have been filed. At least not reliable information on the number of claims the identities of who the claims were filed against and any of the actions that caused the settlements. And this is how this is how the Senate is holding itself responsible. I mean, again, this is, this is just like what I was talking about a moment ago we're going to make sure to put this system in place. So says the Senate to make sure that we're held, we're held accountable for all of our actions and our sexual perversions, but we're going to put in very specific language that prohibits the congressional office of compliance from actually keeping records of it. So on top of making people jump through hopes Go to counseling for 90 days before they can process the sexual assault claims. And after we pay them out, we're going to make sure there's this. No, there's no records of it at all. That is ungoddamn believable. And yet, instead of hearing about this, and Tim Kaine, by the way, he he should be a, a, a one of the progressives' favorite guys. He was up there running with Hillary Clinton. He was the most likable part about Hillary Clinton, and he was still a douche. But you know what? At least he wasn't Hillary Clinton, and at least he's trying to find this out. So instead of progressives, <laughs> instead of progressives raging on about tax cuts that uh, are going to help people pretty much unanimously, and instead of them raging on about net fucking neutrality and pretending that net neutrality is going to cause everybody to pay $12 a month to uh, to tweet and that it's going to be an attack on free speech and, and the ISPs are going to start shutting down our ability to communicate or visit websites that they don't like. Why don't they get upset about this? This giant government organization that pays out slush fund money to people that have sexual allegations or harassment allegations against congressmen that has absolutely no record of it I mean this is like the fucking mob man this is like dark money this is they busted Silk Road they are running their own Senate level Silk Road where none of the payments can be tracked I mean dude is in uh, what's his name Russ something uh, I can't remember what's his face is in jail because they busted him for running a, especially, except basically running a website wherein illegal practices like prostitution were going on and people were making transactions on this website and there was no record of it because you couldn't trace it. That was the whole concept behind it. They throw him in jail and the Senate's doing the exact same thing. Except they're not calling it Silk Road. They are calling it the Congressional Accountability Act. Huh. Getting fired up, guys. We're getting fired up. Merry Christmas. Okay. Let's just move on. I'm getting too angry. All right. Next thing. I'm going to calm it down. I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get this fired up. I'm really getting pissed off thinking about this. I spilled water on my legs. Uh, you hear it all here on the Lions Liberty Podcast. People yelling. People spilling water on their legs as their voices slowly give out. All right, a couple more things I'm going to hit real quick and then I'm going to wrap this up. So, very important the FISA, or FISA, FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, Section 702, which is what Edward Snowden made us all so aware of with all of the spying apparatus involved from the NSA and the FBI, what with the warrantless wiretaps, uh, or will I say warrantless communications being monitored, not wiretaps per se but monitoring our cell phone communications, electronic communications, emails, web browsing history. Through all these different systems, including PRISM, um, there's there's like about seven or eight programs, and many of them operated under the banner of Section 702. Now, that section, which was created under uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, I believe, that is set to expire December 21st, 2017 which means the FBI will no longer be able to go in and through six jumps away, which is what they had legally been able to do. So basically they find a target, al Muhammad Abi over in Egypt or Saudi Arabia or wherever he's coming from. They monitor his communications, but they're only getting to him through six different people or they can backtrack through six people. So they find this guy, they say, we want to target that guy. And we're gonna get a warrant from the from the uh judicial, you know, secret judicial courts, basically. We're gonna get a warrant for that guy. But now they didn't have to get a warrant to monitor Americans that were within six jumps, they'd call it. So again, just like Wayne's world did with that whole scene where they've got Wayne looking at the camera and he's like, and they've got two friends, and they've got two friends, and they've got two friends. Same thing with the FBI. And that's what they were doing, and that's why virtually Every American was wrapped up in this surveillance apparatus because when you times it by, you know, when, you miss it, when you're when you taking to the power of six from anybody, six degrees of Kevin Bacon style, you get everybody. So that's what the FBI was doing. And this is tied in with all sorts of other things as well. Um, anybody that was, you know, this, under this auspices of, of monitoring foreign interests and foreign uh, intelligence efforts. So this is all set to expire. Now, what's going to happen, and this has already been pushed through the intelligence community or the intelligence committee already says, yes, we want it. Donald Trump says, yes, we want it. All the goddamn neocons say they want it. However, it's not a sure thing. And unless somebody actually gets a bill passed saying we are going to renew these, it will fantastically expire on the 31st in in a winter miracle, I would call it. Now, it'll never happen. And I'm telling you exactly how it's not going to happen, why it'll never expire. Because here's what's going to happen first. On December 22nd, the day after my birthday, (laughs) so I'll wake up hungover and angry. On December 22nd, that's when the short-term budgetary solution to cover the government funding to get it through this short period of time until they can decide on a new budget for next year. You know, there was a talk of the shutdown which nobody's talking about right now, but there was talk of a shutdown, which was avoided through talks. So that's coming up. The government will be out of money again as of December 22nd. They need to put another funding bill into place. What's going to happen? Well, dickheads on this intelligence committee are going to get together and they're going to say, we are going to oppose the vote. We're going to shut down the government unless you guys say, yep, we're going to vote in this provision that allows Section 702 to be renewed. For all eternity or whatever it's going to be. It'll probably be uh, indefinite or maybe it'll be for another 25 years. I don't know. But that's what they're going to do. And because of the pressure of avoiding government shutdown and because of this tax bill, which, you know, again, is, is going on right now, there's probably a lot of negotiating going on behind the scenes. So this will pass. I can all but assure you of it. So. A little downside there. Just want to make you aware of it. There's not much you could do. You could call your senator right now, but like I said, I don't think anybody calling their senators to express outrage is going to do anything at this point. It's going to be shoveled in there. It's going to be uh just bundled in with the spending coverage bill, and that's going to be that. Sucks. All right. And finally, to wrap up this show, I want to talk a little bit about Trump's national security strategy document he put out. I have linked to that in the show notes if you want to review it. It's about 68 pages. I perused it just to see kind of his foreign strategy in regards to the different areas of the world. Basically, I'll sum it up as as this. And this is what people have criticized him on. And some of this criticism is legitimate. He's pretty damn aggressive against Russia and China, which (laughs) doesn't lend itself to the whole collusion thing. But he said flat out, let me read you this paragraph. China and Russia challenge American power, influence, and interests Attempting to erode American security and prosperity. They are determined to make economies less free and less fair, to grow their militaries and to control information and data, to repress their societies and expand their influence. That's not really too kind language if you're trying to be friends with somebody. And of course, Donald Trump just said. That, you know, the last time he spoke about China, that he looks forward to working with the Chinese and growing their influence and, you know, all this spirit of friendship and trade. Then he goes out and puts out this document, which basically says, look, China's trying to be the big dick in the region and we're not going to stand for it. And that's essentially what this document said. Same thing with Russia. Russia is trying to be the big dick there. They're trying to, uh, in, you know, influence uh, the economies around the region. We're not going to stand for that either. So it's Donald Trump beating his chest. And China basically said, okay, well, we, you know, we're not really happy about that. I almost did a racist accent there. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but China said, we're not going to go in on that. We, you know, what, What is this? How dare you? And Russia kind of said the same thing. Oh, what is this? Come on now, Trump. Meanwhile, he's sidling up to Taiwan, saying that we'll, uh, we'll help defend them, which is, that's, that's great. Get some more with China. Saying, you know, of course, he came out against North Korea. Saying that they're uh, great evil in the region, that we're not going to stand for any of their shenanigans. He's cuddling up with India as a military and economic partner. Again, doubling down on the military side of things. There's a lot of it, uh, a lot of that in there, and also with the Philippines as a strategic military partner, despite the fact that the Philippines is, of course, run by Duarte, who is one of the most evil men that's ever lived, a man that is just wantonly murdering people because they have a theorized involvement with the drug trade when really it's just a Stalin-esque way to eliminate and assassinate his enemies. Now the question here is what's the point of this document and people are making such a big deal out of it that I had to take a peek because there were a lot of news media covering the, the responses and the, the initial security strategies that came out and critiquing the security strategy. At the end of the day, this is just a public relations tool. This is just a document that's like, ah, here you go. This will shut people up. This is what this document is. This will shut people up. Some of it harkens back to Donald Trump's campaign speeches saying, look, I'm still going to be strong on this. I called China a currency manipulator and I still believe they're a currency manipulator. That's all this is. I mean, you're not going to put out a national security strategy. In plain view, where I can download it, where China can download it, where Russia can download it, where Al-Qaeda and ISIS can download it. And I didn't need to mention that, of course, Donald Trump was like, we need to eliminate ISIS and and, uh, Islamists uh, that are radicalized and all that kind of shit. But you're going to put this document out there and pretend that it means something and the media is going to pretend that it means jack shit? Give me a break. I mean, what would be the point of laying out your entire strategy for everyone to see? As a negotiator, as Donald Trump uh, portrays himself uh, in the media, what strategy would that give you? What 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 possible leg up would that provide you in negotiating with people? None. So everybody just needs to knock it off, shut up about it, and ignore it. So my advice to you, even though I did link to it in the show notes, is to completely ignore Trump's national security strategy and instead focus on your friends, focus on your family, focus on getting drunk if that's what you like to do during the holidays, and make sure to listen to our upcoming Naughty or Nice Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor special. Because I'm wrapping this show up, guys. So I want to say at the end of this, please do give us a little Christmas present and share the show. Give us a review on iTunes. If you want to give us an extra Christmas present here at Lions of Liberty, you can go and join the Pride, which you can do that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. Listen to all our extra content we're putting out there. We had a brand new conspiracy corner that came out on Waco and the Branch Davidians. That is some crazy stuff. You don't want to miss that. Plus, you got my rant pluses and minuses, which is coming up now that I finally am going to have some days off work to put it together. We've got our degenerate gambler shows we do, which are always a good time. So we do a lot of extra content for you guys. That would be a wonderful gift to us. And you know what? As a gift to yourself, you sign up for the $10. There's a $25 level. You get yourself a T-shirt for free. You get to talk to us for free. Well, it's not for free. Uh You pay for it, but it would be a nice Christmas gift to you and me and everybody else that you know. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I am Brian McWilliams. This is Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions Liberty Podcast. I do want to uh, thank you legitimately from the bottom of my heart for listening to the show. I'm going to have another uh, little Christmas episode coming up and then I'll be back on the other side of New Year with some uh, interesting interviews, including one with a buddy of mine. He's got a new Comedy Central show coming up. So that's going to be awesome. All right, guys. From Electric Liberty Land, please always stay plugged in to liberty. <laughs>